Well, good morning, Hope Fellowship family. We're so thankful that you're here with us this morning. We want to welcome our family that's also watching online this morning. Thank you for tuning in with us. Well, I got a lot to get over this morning, so let's get right into it if you want to take out your sermon note sheets. As we're going to continue through our study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. You need to know we are almost done with this study. We've only got four more weeks left after today. And so for them, some of you are thinking, when is he ever going to be done with Ephesians? There is light at the end of the tunnel. Now, on a serious note, I got to tell you, I'm a little sad to see this study come to an end because for me, in the 23 years that I've been preaching and teaching, I think this study ranks up there as one of my all-time favorites because this book of Ephesians is such a powerful book full of foundational truths that if you will live by them by faith, it, it has the power to transform your life in, in, in unique ways and unbelievable ways in, in Christ. And so it's been a fun study. Well, if you've been with us, you know, in this last section of Ephesians, the subject that Paul talks about is spiritual warfare. What we've been learning is just like there is a God, there is a devil. And he's out to oppose God in any way he can. Primarily, he's out to destroy the one thing that's most precious to God's heart. Do you know what that is? It's us. It's mankind. Not only does the devil work hard to keep people from coming to salvation in God through Christ, he also works hard to keep us as Christians from living out our identity in Christ. And you say, well, why is that? Well, simply put, so he can hinder our witness for God in this world. And stop us from living the abundant life that Jesus died on the cross to make possible. So if you've ever wondered why in the world is it so hard to live the Christian life in this world? Why does it seem so difficult? Well, it's because there is a very real battle going on in the spiritual realm. And you and I are right smack in the middle of it. So the, the question is. How can we as Christians be victorious when it comes to the spiritual battle? Well, here's the answer, and we've been talking about it week after week. It's by living out your identity in Christ. And to do that, you've got to learn to put on the full armor of God. So let's go ahead once again and read what the Apostle Paul writes in his closing words to the Ephesian church here on this subject of spiritual warfare, starting in verse 10. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces and evil in the heavenly realms. So because of that, watch this. Therefore, you got to learn to put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, so far, we've already talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. 
If you remember, the belt of truth is the very first piece of the spiritual armor that you have to learn to put on. And what we learned is that the belt of truth, what it is, is, is you understanding that truth is absolute, truth is found in God, and truth protects you from the lying schemes of the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness is application of the belt of truth. It's living in righteousness. It's living out the truths of God. It's living by his standards of righteousness. And so what happens is when you and I live in God's righteous standards, it becomes a breastplate that keeps the devil from grabbing a foothold in our life through our mind and our emotions. And we talked about that last, last time, and you can go to our website or you can go to our Facebook and listen to those first couple of messages. Now, today we're going to talk about the shoes of peace. If you're going to be able to stand firm against the devil's schemes, you're going to need shoes for the spiritual battle. Not any old shoes. You're going to need to learn to put on the shoes of peace. Now, to help you understand the importance of them, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about three things. I want to talk to you about the function of the shoes, the foundation of the shoes, and the fitting of the shoes. And so that's how we're going to work our way in this message this morning. Let's start with the function of the shoes. Now, I'm going to share with you something that you may, you know, but you probably don't think about very often, but how many know shoes are not all the same? Okay, there are different types of shoes that serve all kind of different functions. And so I brought a bunch of shoes with me this morning. And as you can tell, I live with a bunch of ladies. And so there's lots of girls' shoes here. But, but uh, there's these kind of shoes. These are for running. These are for athleticism. This is for just kind of doing all kind of different things. So you would want to wear these if you do exercise. But you don't want to go running in these shoes. Am I right? These are not for running and exercise. These are for looking good, right? These are for dressing up. Okay, how about these? These shoes are for when it snows, right? Okay, you want to have these on, keeps your feet warm. You're going to trudge through the snow. Now, here's point of one of my absolute favorites. I love these. How many know you all need a good pair of mucking boots, right? Rain boots. I mean, you could get in the mud. You know, you can hose these boots off really quick, step in the stream. You farmers have, there's not a farmer that doesn't have a pair of these around. Okay, so these are very important boots. And then how about these? I was thinking about these. These, I... This is my opinion, so please don't hate. Some of you, these are the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. But you know why people love them? Because these are your comfy shoes, right? They're easy, they're convenient, you love your comfy shoes. And then, of course, we're, we're all familiar with these. These are the sports cleats, right? These help you have your, your footing when it comes to sports. Well, none of these shoes that I brought with me this morning are the type of shoes that Paul has in mind when he's talking about the shoes of peace. What he has in mind is the Roman soldier's footwear. And the Roman soldier's footwear was made up of two parts. First, there was the actual shoe, uh, actual uh, leather sole, and then there was leather straps that went with that shoe. And on the bottom of the shoe would be what was called hobnails. And so they were, they were cleated, if you will. Those hobnails could be anywhere from a half inch all the way up to three inches. Uh, there were different types of, of, of sizes of, of hobnails. And so the purpose of those nails on the bottom of the soldier's shoe was to help him stay on his feet in the heat of battle. 
So it's very similar, if any of these shoes would compare to it, it's very similar to these cleats if you think about it. Uh, think about the game of football for a second. When you're playing football, there's a lot of pushing against the opponent, there's a lot of footwork that's involved, there's a lot of running and cutting really quick, and if you can't stay on your feet, you're probably gonna lose the game. And so cleats help you stay on your feet. Now I want you to remember that in Roman times, Battles were not fought from a distance most often. They were fought up close. You didn't have missiles coming in. You was, it was hand-to-hand combat, uh, very up close and personal. And so if you couldn't stay on your feet, there was a good chance that you were going to lose the battle. I mean, think about it. One slip could open the door for the enemy to land a blow. One fall to the ground could mean the end of your life. Now, the second part of the Roman soldier's footwear consisted of what were called greaves. Now, greaves were the ancient equivalent of what we call in our modern world shin guards. In fact, you see soccer players wear, what, shin guards. Why do they do that? They don't want to get kicked in the shin because how many know that can drop you to your feet really quick? How many have ever taken a blow to the shins? I mean, it just drops you. It stops you right in your tracks. Soldiers also would wear the greaves for another purpose than just protecting themselves in battle. Greaves also would protect the soldiers' legs as they traveled. You see, soldiers in Paul's day had to do a lot of travel through a lot of very rough terrain. Their journey as a soldier wasn't always an easy one. Although Rome had built a lot of roads by this time in history, they were still not a whole lot of them out there. And so those, those roads were very limited and rough at best. And most of the time, the Roman soldier would find himself off the beaten path where there was hills to climb up and jagged rocks to climb over and thick brush to go through and thorns to travel through. And so they would put on their greaves to help them help the soldier traverse through all the rough paths that they had to walk through to get to where they were supposed to go. And that way, when they got to the battlefield, their legs wouldn't already be tore up uh, for the battle. So let me sum it up this way when it comes to the Roman soldier's shoes. The shoes provided stability and mobility for the soldier. That was the purpose of the Roman soldier's shoes. You say, well, what does this have to do with the spiritual battle? Well, the same purpose of the spiritual shoes It's the same purpose for the Christian soldier. The shoes of peace are meant to keep you stable and mobile in the spiritual battle. That's what Paul meant here when he said in verse 15, look at it, that you must have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, that particular word readiness there in the original Greek text, it literally means firm footing for standing or moving. Here's why firm footing is so very important when it comes to the spiritual battle. Because throughout your lifetime, there will be lots and lots and lots of difficult things and difficult circumstances that will, that will come across your path that you're going to have to walk down. And those things have the potential to knock you right off your feet spiritually. Think about it. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a job. Maybe an illness, a tragedy happens in your life. Maybe a failure occurs for you. Maybe there's some unmet expectations of what you thought was going to happen but hasn't happened. Maybe a broken relationship. Maybe it's hurt from someone that you trusted and loved but they really hurt you. Maybe it's rejection. How about this? Maybe it's the wars and rumors of wars that are happening in our world. Natural disasters 
in a worldwide pandemic. I mean, I could go on and on, but you get the idea. There are lots of things that can come along through your journey in this life that can knock you right off your feet spiritually. And when I say knock you off your feet spiritually, what I'm talking about is shake your confidence in God. When your confidence in God slips, that's when the devil sees an opening to attack you with his lying schemes. If God really does indeed love you, then he would have never allowed that to happen. If God is really for you, if he's really forgiven you, if you're really a child of his, if God is really capable of being your savior, why would he allow that to happen to you? If God is, is really a good God, then why does, why does he allow all these disasters and all these things happening? If, if you really have been called by God, why aren't things going smoother in your life? If this is really God's will for your life, this is really the path that he told you to go down, then why do you find so many thorns and thistles along the way? Do you understand if the devil can get you to lack confidence in God, then he can get you to put your confidence in something other than God. And that's when we get ourselves into trouble, right? We start looking for salvation in things other than God. And we become vulnerable to the, to the devil's lies and to the world's ways. And that's when we make really, really bad decisions. See, if the devil can get you to lack confidence in God, they can, then he can keep you from pursuing the plans that God has for your life. This is why you're going to need the shoes of peace for the spiritual battle. Because if you don't learn to put them tightly on your feet, you will lack stability and mobility in the spiritual battle when you find yourselves on paths that are more difficult than you expected. See, here's the bottom line. The shoes help us keep our confidence in God. That's what the shoes are about. So that's the function of the shoes and why they're so important in the spiritual battle. And you say, well, okay, pastor, if, if the shoes of peace are about confidence in God, then why are they called the shoes of peace? I mean, why are they not just called the shoes of confidence? Well, I'm glad you asked. And even if you didn't, I'm going to tell you. That brings us to the second thing I want to talk to you about <clears throat> when it comes to the shoes. Let's talk about the foundation for the shoes. The foundation for standing firm in the spiritual battle, keeping your confidence firm in God is built on peace. Yes. Now go back to our verse. Look what Paul says. Have your feet, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, what is it? Peace. peace. Now that word peace in the Greek is irene, and it means the cessation of war, conflict put away. A time of reconstruction after war has ceased. You say, what does this mean? Well, when Paul was talking about peace here in this verse, he's not talking about the absence of trouble or problems in your life. He's talking about a certain type of war that is no longer happening in the Christian's life. And you say, well, what war is he talking about? What conflict is no longer happening for the Christian? Well, notice the other word that Paul attaches to the word peace. It's the word gospel. You see that? 
Now, the word gospel is the Greek word angelion. It's where we derivative of where we get our word evangelism from. And and the gospel simply means good news. This word gospel is used 77 times throughout your New Testament. And here's the thing. This particular Greek word in Greek culture was not the regular word that you would use for good news. It's the word that you would say for good news that you can hardly believe that it's true. Like this is unbelievable news. That's when the Greeks would use this word. So what is the gospel of peace? That's what we have to ask. What is this good news of peace? Well, here it is. It's the good news about what Jesus did for us on the cross. On the cross, Jesus shed his innocent blood to pay the price for our sin so that we as sinful human beings could be made right with a holy God. So here's a gospel truth that you need to get down. And some of you are going to push back on this, but you got to get this down. This is gospel truth. Before you put your faith in Jesus for your salvation, you were at war with God. You were an enemy of God. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that's true. I've never been an enemy of God. Yes, you were. You may not have ever seen yourself as an enemy of God, but God saw you as his enemy. Your sin is what made you an enemy of a holy God. And so here's a gospel truth that you've got to get your mind around. Every single person in the world right now who has not put their faith in Jesus at this moment is an enemy of God, whether they realize it or not. Jesus came to put an end to that conflict by way of the cross. And Paul has already talked about this earlier in Ephesians. Let me take you back there. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Look at this. He's he's looking at there. He's saying, this was your pre-Christian days, church, is what he's saying. Watch this. As for you, you were, before you put your faith in Christ, dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who's that? The devil. All of us, everyone, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. Now, here comes the good news, but there's the gospel. Here's the good news that you can hardly believe is true. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were his enemies. It is by grace you have been saved. If you go down to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, a few verses later, look what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from who? A holy God have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. See that? Jesus is our peace. Okay, uh, here's here's what I need you to wrap your mind around. Do you understand Christianity is not a religion? It's a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) See, do you understand what religion is? Religion is man's hope of approaching a holy God. The gospel is God's work already accomplished for man to approach him being a holy God. Religion is what sinful man tries to do for a holy God. Do you understand the gospel is what a holy God has already done for sinful man in Christ? 
Religion is man's quest for God. The gospel is God seeking lost men in Christ. See, what religion does is religion produces outward transformation, but the gospel transforms us from the inside out through our relationship in Christ. So here's the gospel truth that you really need to get in your mind. If a person receives the gospel, they have peace with God. If a person rejects the gospel, they remain an enemy of God. So think about it. How tragic for someone to reject the good news. You see, the gospel of peace is the good news that in Christ, we are no longer at war with God. That is the foundation of you standing firm in the spiritual battle. See, what the gospel of peace does is it gives you stability and mobility. You say, I don't understand. Here's what it means. It means God is for you, not against you. It it means God loves you more than you could ever imagine. It means God has too much invested in you to forget about you now. It means you've got God on your side no matter what path you have to walk through in this life, no matter how difficult or painful. And because that's true, you ready for this? You're going to be okay. Stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm in the grace that God has already given you in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to take you to another passage of Scripture because this is exactly what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 5 in his letter to the church in Rome. He doesn't call it the shoes of peace there, but that's exactly what he's talking about when he's talking to the Roman church. Look, when he's writing to them, let me take you there. It's a a verse that we reference quite often. We pick pieces out of this for all kinds of sermons that we do, but let me read this 11 verses and work you through it because it's the shoes of peace. Watch this. Therefore, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have, what is it? Peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. Peace with God. Okay, keep that phrase in your mind. We're going to come back to it. We have peace with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Otherwise, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was a gift from God. Where we now stand. You now stand in grace. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Otherwise, what everything else that God's got in store for us. Now watch this. We can rejoice too, or otherwise also, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Let's <laughs> time out. Who in their right mind rejoices when they run into problems and trials? Do you know what the answer to that is? Christians who have their shoes of peace on. Yes. Why? Because they know that God is on their side. And because God is on their side, they understand endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and his hope will not lead to disappointment. Otherwise, God always comes through. Now, when you have your gospel shoes on, not only do you remember that you can rejoice in trials and tribulations, but you also remember how much God loves you. 
and that the Holy Spirit lives in you and that you're going to be okay. Look at it. Watch this. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You see that? When we were utterly helpless, otherwise when we were, we couldn't do anything about being an enemy of God. When we were utterly helpless, we couldn't make up for our own sins. We couldn't pay for it on our own. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. You understand? God died for his enemies. But God, oh, here comes the gospel. Here comes the good news. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, still his enemies. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation, otherwise God's wrath for sin. Now watch this, verse 10, so important. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Say, I don't understand. What what is that saying? Let me tell you what it's saying. Salvation is more than just I'm going to heaven when I die. It's, It's the life of Christ lives in me, and so I'm never without hope. His life in me is going to be my salvation no matter what rough road I may have to travel in this life. Because he didn't just die to get me to heaven. He, got, he died to get me through this life as well. Yes. Therefore, because I know this, because I've got my gospel shoes on, I can rejoice in that reality no matter what I face and how hard and how painful it is. Look at it, verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends, friends of God. God. Folks, this is exactly what the shoes of peace are all about. Since I am at peace with God and Christ lives in me, I'm going to be okay no matter what I have to go through in this life. So I'm going to keep believing in him. I'm going to keep trusting him. I'm going to keep standing firm in my relationship with God. So devil, you can just get lost because sorrow may come in the night, but I got Jesus in me. That means joy is going to come in the morning. So We've talked about the function of the shoes and the foundation of the shoes. Now, as we finish up, let's talk about the fitting of the shoes. Let's talk about how you practically put these shoes on and keep them on. Let's go back to our verse for this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. Paul writes, and with your feet fitted. Now, in some of your other translations, it says with your feet shod. Okay, with your feet fitted or shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That particular word fitted there is the Greek word hupodeo. And here's what it means, to bind tightly under one's feet. Now, what Paul is saying here is this. You need to have peace tightly bound under your feet when it comes to the spiritual battle. You need to be standing and walking in peace. You need to allow peace to give you stability and mobility when it comes to the spiritual battle. Now, here's here's what you need to understand. The reason some of us can't seem to get these shoes on properly is because we don't understand the type of peace Paul is talking about here. If you're looking for all your problems and trials to go away before you can walk in peace, you will never walk in peace. 
Oh, let me say that again. So some of you didn't, it didn't hit you right. (laughs) If you're looking for all your problems to go away before you can walk in peace, you'll never walk in peace. What we're talking about here is a peace on the inside when the world around you is going to hell in a handbasket. It's a peace that has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with the fact that I got Jesus in my life. Let me give you a biblical definition of the type of peace that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about a calm and tranquility of soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. What he's talking about is this. Biblical peace is when something's wrong, I am calm. Do you know what the Bible calls this? The Bible has a phrase for this type of peace. It's called the peace that passes understanding. The peace that transcends understanding is what the Bible calls it. Look what Paul said in his letter to the Philippian church. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul says, do not be anxious about some things. Anything. But in every situation, you see that? By prayer and petition, otherwise you need to run to God when things are hard. You need to get your focus back on. With thanksgiving, why is thanksgiving important? I got to remember what God's already done for me. Present your request to God. Oh, and look at the promise. And the peace of God. Now, what did I tell you earlier? I told you peace with God, right? Now we're looking at something called the peace of God. Everybody say peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It's not going to make sense to everybody else. It's not going to make sense to the world. Will guard your hearts and your minds. Where does the devil try to attack you? We learned in the last week, in your heart and in your mind, in Christ Jesus. Jesus referred to this type of peace at the Last Supper when he was talking to his disciples. You remember that scene? Jesus has, been trying, Jesus has been trying to tell them about the plan of the cross, but they're not getting it. They don't like the plan. It sounds painful. It sounds hard. How many know you don't always, you're not always going to like the plan that God has for your life? But it's the plan that God has for your life to bring glory to him and to bring other people to Jesus in him. So Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he's he just telling the disciples, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And you know what the Bible tells us in John 14? It says the disciples' hearts were greatly troubled. Have you ever had your heart greatly troubled? Right? Things happen in life. And what happens? Immediately, your heart is in turmoil. Your heart is in trouble. That's where the disciples are. They can hardly believe what Jesus is saying. And look what Jesus says to them in John chapter 14, verse 27. With their hearts greatly troubled, Jesus says, first thing he says, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now watch this. I do not give you as the world gives. You know what the world gives? Lots of temporary peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Listen, the world can give you peace momentarily. The the world can give you pills, it can give you drinks, it can give you injections, it can give you entertainment, it can give you pleasures. The peace the world gives is outside in. It's something done on the outside that only gives you peace temporarily. Do you understand that Jesus can give you a peace that comes from the inside out, even if it means having to bear a cross in your life? 
That very same night, the disciples are still wrapped up in their anxiety and fear. And look what Jesus says at the end of their conversation. He's, he's about to be arrested. They're about to leave the upper room and go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And look what he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. Peace. Now watch this. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't expect all the trouble in the world to go away. You're going to have trouble. Can I just say this? I hate to tell you this. The older you get, the more you realize this. But some of you are sitting here in your 20s and 30s. You think you're going to get in your 40s and 50s and it's all going to be smooth. It just gets worse. I mean, you started this life with just you and then you met somebody and you only had to worry about you and your wife. And then now you got to worry about your kids. And then you all of a sudden you wake up and go, oh, my gosh, I got to not only worry about my kids, but my kids and then their kids and then my kids, kids, kids. Oh, my goodness. And then your body's failing the whole time. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So once again, peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus in your life. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. And that means because he has overcome the world and you have him in your life, you can overcome anything the world throws at you. Any trial, any disappointment, any failure, any hurt, any insecurity, any tragedy, you name it. Now let me put this all together for you. Remember what the foundation of the shoes was, the gospel of peace, the good news. If you're a Christian, you already have peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. God. You're no longer at war with him. You're on his side and he is on your side. Because that's true. The gospel of peace is how you fit your feet with the, God, with the peace of God. So understand, the peace that you have with God is the foundation, right? And the catalyst for you having the peace of God in your life. So here's what you got to understand. The peace that Jesus is giving out is found in the gospel. Now, let me, let me give you some examples of how this goes practically in your life. When the devil tells you God really hasn't forgiven you, you know what you do? You remember the gospel truth that we read during communion, that the record of the charges of all our sins was nailed to the cross with Jesus. I'm not falling for that trick. I'm staying firm on my gospel truth. When the devil tells you, God doesn't really love you, there's nobody that loves you, you remember the gospel truth. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for me. When when the devil tries to tell you, you know what, you're weak and you're pathetic and you're incapable of of accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish, you know what God, gospel truth you go to there? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 10, 12, verse 10. When I am weak, he is strong. Thank, I know I'm weak, devil, but here's the deal. I got Jesus in my life, so you're in trouble. Because when I'm weak, he's strong. When the devil tells you, you're alone. Nobody else cares about you. You're going to have to go it alone. You remember the gospel truth. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. God promises never to leave you or forsake you. 
It reminds me of the words of Psalm 23, David. Remember, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are my rod and my staff, and you're going to comfort me, and you're going to help me, and I'm going to get through this because you are not only my provider of peace, but you are my Savior who's going to bring peace. I'm going to get through this. When do you feel like nobody is on your side? And nobody is for you. How many times, notes you can go through some things in life where you feel like nobody's for you. You remember the gospel truth, Romans 8, 31. If God be for me, who can be against me? When you feel like you're never going to be all that God wants you to be, and the devil says, it's not even worth trying. How many of you in your life, I, I just being honest with you, I feel like sometimes I'm like, God, I'm such a failure in my Christian walk. I think I should be so much further than this by now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the devil says, it's not even worth it. I go to the gospel truth in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that says this. He who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Oh, I'm so glad it doesn't all depend on me. Oh, some of you needed to hear that. Tell your neighbor it doesn't all depend on you. Oh, my gosh, you're going to go home lighter just because of that. Some of you just, some, listen, I'm not saying you don't need to do things, but you're running around trying to fix everything, and what you need to do is stand firm yes. sometimes in the battle and say, God, I, there's nothing I can do but trust you. When your body is failing and you're facing death, you know one day you're going to die unless Jesus comes back. Now, some of us aren't going to see it coming. Maybe a car accident, instant heart attack, we're gone, but a lot of us are going to see it coming. When your body is failing and you're facing death, you go to the gospel truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, to be absent in body means I'm going to be present with the Lord. I witness, I just, as a pastor, I, I, I am with people in some of the most unbelievable situations you've ever imagined. I've been in hospitals with people where they've lost loved ones in car accidents and went home bawling a mess. And I got home and told my wife, I don't know how their spouse is holding it together. And that's when I realized there's a supernatural something happening there. Even though it's painful and hard, there's a, there's, there's a strength there that God's giving them for that moment. I watched two of our members here recently. Four months ago, Miss Jody Pomeroy and Miss Babs Dannenberg were healthy, fellowshipping with us, part of us. Four months later, they're both in heaven with Jesus. And I remember when we got the news about Miss Babs. Miss Babs had stage four ovarian cancer. And by this point, you understand it's all through her body. There's not much they can do. You can maybe do this. And she just decided, and I talked to her. She said to me, Pastor, I'm not going to go through all that. I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. How can you face, when, when you get news like that, do you know why she was so calm in that moment? Because she had her shoes of peace on. Because what stabilized her? The gospel. Miss Jody, the same thing. Now, if you know Miss Jody, she was a wonderful lady here for so many years. But because Miss Jody was a detail person, she was a worrier about a lot of things. If you wanted to know how to worry like a professional, <laughs> Miss Jody could show you how. But when it came time for her to go meet Jesus, she was laying in her hospital bed. And in hours before she went home to be with Jesus, she took a nap and woke up and looked at her daughter and said, Drat, I'm still here. 
True story. Why? Because in that moment, she had her shoes of the gospel of peace on her feet. Listen, when the devil wants to remind you that, or he want, when he wants you to remain defined by your old sinful life, you need to go to the gospel truth that's found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. Listen, when you're in the midst of painful, difficult circumstances that you can't understand, how many know there's just times in your Christian walk you want to go, God, what's that about? And I have found that sometimes God always does things in my life out of it, but I'm convinced there are some things I'm not going to understand until I get that side of eternity. When, when, when the answers are few and you don't understand and it's difficult and painful, you run to the gospel truth of Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You put on your shoes of peace and you go to the gospel. Listen, the reason why some of us are so easy pickings for the devil as we don't know the gospel well enough. We don't read our Bible enough. We don't study it enough. If you know the gospel, it'll give you firm footing in the spiritual battle. Let me take this a step further. Are you ready for this? When you hear of wars and rumors of wars and diseases and pandemics, you as a Christian should be the least shaken person in the world. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned. I'm not saying you should be flippant. But do you know why you should have peace more than anybody else? Because you remember the gospel truth that Jesus said these things would happen at the end of the age, right before he returns. Matthew chapter 24. All right, now I'm going to get a little political, and I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it. I could get myself in trouble, but I don't care. When you hear the climate alarmist saying the world is going to end because of global warming, you remember the gospel truth that when Jesus comes back, it's all still here. Say, Pastor, are you worried about global warming and the world ending? Nope. Not one bit. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our planet. That's not what I'm saying. But understand, it's all going to be here when Jesus comes back. It's lies. And can I tell you, it's lies to control you. You go back to the gospel truth with anything. When the anxiety comes, I've got to go back to the gospel truth. What does the gospel teach me? What does the gospel tell me? Okay? I, I, I want you to think about this for, for a second. When you... Anybody know what this is? It's a really super-duty shoehorn. I know, I couldn't find one. You understand us young folk don't have these no more. You don't use these very often. But years ago, they would be a lot shorter than that. And what you would do is you would put them here, and then you would slip your foot in to the shoe to help your shoes get fitted. Okay? I mean, this is, man, this is, you could spank your kids with this. I mean, so kind of home, there's no peace in your home if you're spanking your kids with that. All right. Here's what I want you to understand. How do you get the gospel shoes on? Grab your shoehorn. Grab your shoehorn, and you stand on it, and you slip into those shoes of peace. That's why your Bible is so important. This is why it's so important that you know the Word of God. 
that you study the word of God, that you understand what the gospel really is and what it says, because it'll help you slip into those shoes. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, here's the promise. Talking about God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Another way of saying that is they keep their confidence in you. Now, here's the coolest thing, and here's where we're going to end, because this is so cool, and it's my favorite part. When you put the shoes of peace, here's what happens. When you put them on in your life, you end up putting Satan under your feet. Amen. Look at Romans 16, 20. The, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This is what the shoes of the gospel of peace are about. When life happens, you start to feel shaken. And the devil starts to speak his lying schemes into your life. You grab your shoehorn and you stand on it and you put the devil under your feet and say, I'm not stopping. I'm not looking for salvation in something else or somebody else. I'm going to stand on the word of God. Would you stand with me? Everybody stand with me. You know what I realize in this room? Everybody's got trials and tribulations. I think that's actually one of the lies of the enemy. You're the only one going through this. You're not. How many of you would say, I got some trials and tribulations and some things in my life that I'm dealing with? Let me see your hands. Okay. That's about 100% participation. So I want to I wanna pray over you in the name of Jesus. I feel like this morning's sermon was really encouragement for you to remind you that if God is for you, who could be against you? It's a reminder that nothing can separate you from the love of God, Romans chapter 8. And I'm not saying it's not hard, and I'm not saying it's not difficult, because it is. But what I'm saying is, you've got a God that's going to help you through it. And he's going to do things out of your life through it. So some of your greatest trials, what you don't understand is God is building a testimony in your life. And he's also leveraging it to change you from the inside out and teach you how to trust him. And you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to come along in your life and stop you from growing. He wants to stop you from ministering. He wants to stop you from living the abundant life that Jesus died to make possible for you. And the way to not let that happen is to have your shoes and peace on. So, here's what I want you to do. Just take your foot. Everybody lift your foot up. Children, put it down. One more time. That's what the devil needs to be. And that only happens when you put the shoes on. So I want to pray for all of you in the name of Jesus that the Lord would just give you a new peace in your heart and a new peace in your life. So would you bow your heads, Father, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I thank you for every single person in this room, Lord. There are so many that are going through some very difficult things in their life right now at this season. And they're struggling with their confidence in you. Oh, Father, I pray that you would give them a confidence anew this morning, Lord. I pray that you would help them to run to you, Lord, understanding that because they have peace with you, they also have access to the peace that you can give. 
because you keep in perfect peace those who remain steadfast, whose minds remain steadfast, trust in you. So, Lord, I pray that you would renew our spirit this morning. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us a new confidence. Lord, I pray that we would not stop. I pray that we would continue to stand. Lord, I pray that we would continue to move forward into the things that God has called us to. That you may get all the glory, Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Touch our spirits today, Lord. Renew us in the name of Jesus. Help us to keep that shoehorn ready. Help us to keep us grounded in your word. In the precious name of Jesus. We all said together, amen, amen. So here's the deal. Some of you are going to go out of here today. You're going to be like, man, that was awesome. I needed that. And Monday's coming. You mark my words. And you know what the devil's going to do? He's going to try to throw another situation on top of the one you're already dealing with. Or there's something's going to come along that makes this, it's worse than it was before you heard this sermon. And you're going to have to keep your shoehorn close. The gospel in front of you. And here's what I want you to do. Every time you start to worry, I want you to go to the gospel truth and I want you to do this. Let's practice one more time. The, the towels are falling down and the children downstairs. That's what I want you to do this week in the name of Jesus. Amen? Hey, our prayer partner is going to be up here. You've never put your faith in Jesus. That's where peace with God starts. Come up. We'd love to see you. If you need prayer in your life, we'll pray for you as well. The next thing you're going to need for the spiritual battle is a shield. We'll talk about it next week. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next time.